good morning, church. Man, what a great day to be together. If you have your Bible with you, we are going to be in the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, depending on how uh, whoever printed your Bible decided to put what was in the front left-hand corner of it. They both work um, as we get rolling through it today. Um, a few things as, as we get started with it. Um, in our series about um, God, you can come up here with me. Uh, this one is yours. That's good. Um, as we get started today, we're going to be spending three weeks. I'm going to give this to you here. Three weeks uh, looking at the Song of Solomon. And I asked Christy to just start just to give um, some credibility to the sermon today. Because when we're talking about marriage, I watch you look at her every time. And so this way you keep your eyes focused and, and doing that. And so we can, we can sit down in this. Um, as we did, I, a few things are going on uh, in our world uh, our denominational world as far as all this kind of stuff and and i want to let you know uh, it's a gift to me and anytime my wife is willing to sit up here and share some of our story um she she does not have the call in her life to be a preacher or a pastor anything like that if it took a lot to be the pastor's wife took a lot actually in doing that um but but i want you to know the wisdom and the joy and the the gift that god has given us in our story um a lot of it comes through her and guys we know that to be true and so i just asked her to just come up as we've been walking through the series and getting ready with it talking about marriage um if you have your bible look at song of solomon uh, and you can look at verse one and this is where i want to kind of get us started before we uh, jump into things and, and this is what song of solomon says at the beginning he says the song of songs which is solomon okay and what that really means is is that this is Solomon writing. That's why if your Bible says the Song of Solomon, it comes from this line. If it says the Song of Songs, it comes from this line. But we lose a little bit in the uh, English translation, right? The Hebrew, it really doesn't just mean the Song of Songs. It means the greatest of all songs. And that terminology is there. And, and here's why I want to point this out. Because all of Scripture points to whom? Jesus. All of Scripture, including the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. It points to Jesus. And so in this big picture of what's going on, in this big picture of what's happening, here's what I want you to know. Today, if you're married, this book, I think, has special leading and guiding for us. If you are engaged or about to get married, this book has special leading for you. If you're going to get married one day, this book has special leading for you. If you are single and will never be married or you're widow or widower, this book has special meaning for you because it points to Jesus still. And so if you're thinking, I visited Parkway on Song of Solomon Sunday and you're single, don't check out because the book's about Jesus. And in that picture, that model um, of marriage as it comes through. And so just a little quiz, quiz Christy and I, our wedding anniversary is June 27th, 1998. Don't propose on June 28th, 1997. It will confuse you for the rest of your life. That's what I did. So June 28th, 1997, I proposed. June 27th, 1998, we got married. Not brilliant. Um, I mean, marriage was brilliant. <laughs> but, but in that, that means that in about three weeks or so, we will celebrate 25 years, full 25 years. We party a lot, so we started in December, right? 
Um, and so this is what I want to know. Who, I, we just want to know who's married and who's been married. And if you have been married and you've lost a loved one, uh, we'd love for you to participate if you feel welcome to. But we just thought this would be fun for our knowledge. So has anyone in this room been married less than five years? Anyone married less than five years? Yeah, one, two. I'm glad y'all are honest over here. That's good. Yeah, perfect. All right, I love you guys like a week. I love it. It's so good. All right, anyone been married more than five years? I want you to put your hand up, right? More than five years, right? That's all. Praise God. All right, I want you to keep your hand up. This is one of those games. You're welcome. You might not come back. More than 10 years. Keep your hand up. More than 10 years. More than 15 years. Keep your hand up. More than 20 years. Keep your hand up. Oh, it hurts me. More than 25 years. Keep your hand up. Oh, awesome. More than 30? 35. 40. 45. 50. 50. Y'all feel the tension? This is awesome. We can clap for this. We're gonna... Man, that's amazing. 55. Anybody over 55 years? Wow. 60? 65 years? Now, don't be lying over there. Praise Jesus, y'all. That's incredible. Well, next time you're preaching on Song of Solomon, that's all I'm saying. That's how this goes. That's a pretty amazing thing as we walk into that. So what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks is we're going to walk through the whole book. And y'all, listen, we're going to enjoy it and we're going to have fun with it in the most biblical, God-honoring way. I don't need to spice up God's Word. Amen? Like, God's Word is good enough that he wasn't like, I hope that one day David comes around and makes it even better. Like, that's not a thing, y'all. And so, as we walk through it, we're going to take it through in pieces and just let God speak to us. And, and we're just going to walk through it together. And we're going to interject some of our life relationship to it as well and, and share some stories. But, but my prayer is, is that we walk away at the end of three weeks just knowing that God has this unstoppable force behind him. And that reminds us that whomever God has given his son Jesus cannot be ripped from his hand. And marriage is, is meant to be that example, this side of eternity, of that type of connection, the type of covenant. And so what Song of Solomon does is it really gives us a picture of how that can look and how that works and what it tastes like, all right? So that's what it looks like. If you have your Bible, we're going to read Song of Solomon verse 1 through verse 4 in chapter 1. Okay, so if you're your Bible, we'll do that. I feel like I'm sitting so far away from you. You're fine with it. Mm. Yo, welcome. We just got a California king bed, church. I'm like, hello. She's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> 24 years and a queen is wonderful for most of us. So here's what the, let's get to the Bible, okay? This is what the Bible says. Um, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, uh, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's like my favorite line in the whole Bible. Right, men? Are you that way? Like, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. They're, therefore, virgins, they love you. And th so draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love um, more than wine. Rightly do they love you. And so our theme of this whole thing, we're going to walk through 
food. We love food in our household. It's how we bind and bond and connect together since before we were married. Um, and so here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. is that there's actually significance in the spark between you and your beloved, right? There's significance in that spark. And that, that spark has to be cared for and intended. So in our house, um, we just got a, an oven. Um, I tried to fix something the other day. And so we got new flooring all over the house and that kind of thing, kind of expensive repair. Um, but we got a new oven in that process. And, and Christy loves a gas oven, right? Um, because she can see that flame, she can turn it on, and she can kind of look at it and notice. And, and she has a reason for that, right? because it won't just turn off you know like I turn the electric it's like still hot still hot still hot so um yeah for me every house I'm like I go by does it have a gas stove or not and then if it does okay then this this house will work um but it just I love that it just lights and gets hot faster to me and and I can turn it off whenever it's boiling you know and I'm like oh it's boiling and I can just turn it off. I make lots of gumbo, so, you know, if not, you have a big mess all over your kitchen for that reason. <laughs> and, and in that, there's always a flame. It's visible. You can see, is the, is the cooktop on or is it not on? And, and there's something to being aware. Is the heat too high? Is the heat too low? Has the flame gone out? And I didn't know it. And, and church, we know that in marriage, most of it starts with a spark, right? I mean, I, I remember that spark when I saw Christy for the first time. I'd seen her for almost 10 years prior, day after day, and she was just my friend. But then one day she opened the door and my cooktop turned on. Y'all follow? It was a gas that goes immediately. <laughs> it was immediately. <laughs> and, and I was aware. I am smitten. I, I just knew it. But you know what? Over 25 years, that momentary spark, that's not sufficient. It is significant because it has to stay at the right temperature, right? It has to be right. And in different seasons of life, that temperature is going to be regulated, right? Early on, it, your, your temperature gauge is like, I can't get enough of you. And then later on, if you want that to stay true, you've got to vary that relationship. It can't go out, and it can't burn so hot that it becomes self-pleasing and self-centered. But you have to have that spark. I mean, I just want you to listen again to the words. I love that Solomon wrote this book, and most of it is written and said by the girl. That's wonderful in that. But I want you to listen to her words again as it walks through. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. It doesn't say, go brush your teeth real quick, right? <laughs> so if you laugh, you're married. If you let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. They'll exalt you and rejoice in you. We'll extol your love for your love. Um, it's more than wine. 
rightly do they do so. I mean, just listen to the language. And we'll get past the kissing stuff. We all, we all know that's a good sign in marriage. Like, if your spouse wants to kiss you, that's wonderful. If they don't, maybe brush your teeth. But that's not what the Bible's going to. What the Bible says is, your love is better than wine. I mean, wine was something that was clean. And I want you to, to know this, right? Scripture doesn't say you can't have a, a drink. And we, we can talk through that in doctrine later on and whatnot. But the reality is, if you go and like say, I'm thirsty, and put your jug in the San Jacinto River, right? And just start swigging it down. Or Lake Houston, just give it a shot. You know what's going to happen? No one's going to kiss you for a long time, right? It's not healthy for you. But wine, it was sterile, right? And so you, you, could, you could kind of have this drink. And so it was life-giving. It was precious. It wasn't drunkenness. That's scriptures all over that. But, but when she says, your love is, is wine, it's better than wine, what it's saying is, the love that I want from you, that I have in you, it gives me life. What an amazing thing, year after year. I mean, we at the beginning, I get it, for like, at like six months or however long your dating life is, is great. But, but over time, to be able to say, like the love God has given us, it's life-giving. And I think also what we know about wine is, right, the, the longer it goes, the more, you know, that they always look for the wine. I don't, I don't drink wine. I don't like the taste of it at all. But they say the longer, the older it is, right, the better it gets as in just like in marriage or just like in our relationship with Jesus, the longer it goes, the sweeter it is, right? Because we get to see all of the things that goes into that and goes into our relationship. Have you thought about the love for your spouse that way? Like it's better than wine. It's life-giving and it's enduring. Have you thought about your spark that way? It says your name is oil pulled, poured out. And the word here talks about character. There, there's something amazing when we look at our spouse to tend that flame. And we're not just saying how beautiful that. I mean, we need to say how beautiful our spouse is or how handsome. It's really important. But this spark is deeper than that. It's your character is oil pulled out. It's a blessing to me. See, part of that spark in our relationship is knowing that your character towards your spouse and towards the community is, is a blessing. And, and when it's a blessing, it's being poured out. It's, it's thoughtful of others. It puts yourself way secondary. I'm just being poured out. I'm willing to be poured out because you're a blessing to me. What an amazing way to tend the spark of your marriage, to have character that is a blessing and to be a spouse who articulates, I love that. I remember one day, Christy and I were talking. She was playing piano in the front and we didn't have enough child workers or something for a meeting. I'll see if you remember this. And I was in the back room of our little church and you could see into the Sunday school rooms in the back, it's one of those churches. Y'all been there before? And the doors were open, and I was taking care of the kids. And afterwards, she came and she said, watching you play with those kids made me love you so much more in that moment. It, it, and and we just when she says that, like that my character was part of the spark of our relationship. 
And so do, do you speak on that character a lot? Or is it just you look hot today? Or how shall y'all, come on. I mean, you should be attracted to your, your spouse and to your beloved much deeper than just an exterior beauty that the world defines. And we'll get to that. I love that she says, draw me close to you or draw me after you in verse 4, right? What, what she's saying is, I want to be with you. My, my, your, my love and your presence is life-giving. Your character is a blessing to my life. And so I, I want to be wanted by you. I want to be drawn after you. And then there's an excitement that I'm in this special relationship. Right, And then all of a sudden you hear this idea of these other people talking in the last part of verse 4. In the last part of verse 4 it says, We, in other words, people who are watching this woman talk about her beloved, we will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Yeah, and I think, you know, our relationship, our relationship with each other it influences others, right? We were in youth ministry for 10 years, so that was always a thing, like, to teach these teenagers, are we actually showing each other love that we want them one day to show their spouse love? And now that here we have Ashley and Alex, who are going to get married next June, am I showing my husband what I actually want my daughter to see in Alex and Alex to see in Ashley? And same thing for Connor one day when that happens, right? All of those things become a lot more potent than just like, eh, you know, it's fine. They'll figure it out, which they may, but how much better it is when we are working on that to each other. And it, it did definitely make me think, like, am I actually showing my husband how I love him, right, through Jesus, so that one day my kids will get that as well? And so... Just making sure that you are not only focused on um, what's going on every day, but like how is, are you really putting that effort? And it makes you start thinking more than whenever my kids were little, even though that's when we should have started, right? <laughs> but when they're little, we're like, yeah, I can't even think about anything, actually. I, I vividly remember, I think that Connor was six, and I vividly remember like, oh, wait, I can actually think. Like, I, it was literally like a cloud finally went off of my brain, and I could actually, like, think like a normal human being. Um, but that is something that definitely now that we're kind of getting to almost empty nesters, right, that that has really been a, a thing this year that has really, like, ooh, am I really showing, you know, my kids and others, like, how much I love my husband and, and that. Yeah, and, and that's where we start to really see the transition to the See, when we see marriage as what my wife can do for me or what my husband can do for me, we cut the biblical example out completely and we follow a worldly model. And, and that's where we can't get caught up in as the church. It, it, this part, I, don't get me wrong, I love verse 1, 2, 3, but the end of verse 4 reminds us that this picture is bigger than us that we are in a marriage, that we are in a relationship, and that God made relationships to point people to Him. Like, that's what it's about. And so we want our marriage to be one that people look at and say, what's different? I wish I, wish I was like that. What, what does it take? 
We want people to see our daughter's relationship that way. When I do a marriage, that's the prayer I pray over people, that people would see their marriage and be envious of what they have so that they would ask, talk to me. And when we find ourselves in a relationship where that spark is important and it's being tended, not for selfish reasons, but for the kingdom of God, all of a sudden it becomes a testimony. Y'all, I lived in a fraternity house for one semester of college. It is why my children are not allowed to be in social fraternities and sororities. And when, when Christy and I were engaged, I live in this house, the UPS guy or whoever would drop off once a month a letter from her and a bag of cookies from Oklahoma. We live six hours away. And let me tell you, she cooked, I don't know, two dozen cookies once a month, and the two that made it to my room were really great. But even then, we didn't even know it. Even these men and boys, and some are friends, and many of them don't know the Lord, and many did, they were being witnessed to about our relationship. And they knew our, we talked about our relationship. We talked about Jesus and those things. And the door had opened. It's when all of a sudden we started to see the way we tend our spark has a biblical note to it. And when we were looking at Psalm 63, we started to sense it as we read this together. Yeah, so Psalm 63, 1 through 4 is, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land, where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, and my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. So it, as you go through that, you can see the correlation back to, right, Song of Solomon, and just all of those little, that spark that started, and it's just growing deeper and deeper, and the the more you get to know Jesus, I'm sure you've done this in your own life, but the more, it, the sweeter it is, the more it grows, the more you want to get to know him, the more you want to read about him, the more you want to tell everybody about him, right? Because it's just like, oh my gosh, you've got to read this, right? Or you got to hear what God did. Um, so all of that just keeps growing and growing into a big, huge bonfire, so to speak. Yeah, and that's that flame. We were laughing about it. And, and, and this verse sounds so sweet. But when you think about it, in the framework of Jesus and our imperfect example, right, of, of husband and wife and this imperfect design, you start to see how marriage is an example of your relationship with Christ, right? I mean, men, how many times have you woken up and thought, I would love for my wife to say, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, right? Y'all, if it worked, I would wake up every day and be like, what can I do to make that happen? How much more would you want to wake up and every morning say, Jesus, my soul thirsts for you. Like my flesh faints without you. I want to spend time with you so bad. It's like a dry and weary land that hasn't had rain in a long time because what you bring to me is better than life do you see how god has created our relationship as this imperfect model that just reeks of eternity 
It just, the stench of eternity is meant to be in your marriage. That's why when we have Christian marriages that are not being practiced in a Christian way, it is an incredible tool for the enemy. But God didn't design it to be that way. He designed it so that you and I would be this visual illustration. So that when someone asks, why do you love your wife the way that you do? That I can say, because our marriage is an, an example, it's practice, it's preparation for what we will both have with our bridegroom in heaven for all eternity. So guys, are you tending the spark of your marriage to the glory of God? Ladies, are you tending the spark of your marriage to the glory of God? Or are you just trying to keep it alive so that you get something to make you feel good every now and then? Right? And that's the world. It's got a 1970s cigarette lighter that you hurt your finger on and burnt your finger on growing up. Because it just can't keep the flame alive. You see, Solomon and his beloved, they know we have to tend this. So you have to tend the spark of your relationship. But the second thing you have to do is you have to appreciate God's handiwork. I mean, this is a big deal. I want you to listen to Solomon and his beloved and their appreciation. We're going to read verse 5 through 7, and then um, we'll, we'll, we'll pause there and then kind of go beyond that. But verse 5 through 7 say, I'm very dark, but very lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of, of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze on me because I'm dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where, your pasture, where you pasture your flocks, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions. There's a tension going on, right? But we've got to appreciate what's in front of us. And so as we talked about cooking, we, we have a couple of things in our house that are pretty special for us. Yeah, we love making salsa. And we, we used to literally drink like a quart of salsa a week. Um, we just pretty much drank it, I guess. Um, but we ate it on everything from eggs to tacos to hamburgers to whatever sandwiches with chips whatever it didn't matter um and gumbo of course the other thing my dad's cajun i grew up eating lots of gumbo so um both of those are things that take not a lot of ingredients but very specific in ingredients and some has changed over the time right like i used to make it this way but we started tweaking it and then it's like oh we like this a little better and we kind of go on but um when I am doing salsa or gumbo, any of those, the I mean, my family walks in the house, especially gumbo, and they're like, oh, it's gumbo. Like, they know from the smell. Like, the second they walk in, and it doesn't matter if it's 105 degrees outside on the first day of school, we have gumbo. We have to turn the air very cold, and it's fine, but that is a comfort food for us, right? Um, but all of those little things, I fix the, the salsa, I fix the gumbo, whatever, and I say, okay, come and taste it. Because I'm just, which is very weird for me. If you knew me when we first got married, I followed every recipe to the, like, I mean, I could not cook without a recipe. Now I'm like, eh, you know, just throw this in, which is very weird for me. But there's still days that I'm like, I think 
it tastes pretty good, but I feel like there's something missing. And I'll be like, okay, taste this, taste this. What is it missing? And now all of us, you know, we're like, oh, it needs a little bit more lime or whatever, you know, because it's all on just kind of throw in. I know the basic ingredients, right? We've got tomatoes and all of the different things, but then all the little seasonings we have to kind of tweak. And we all kind of have a different little like, oh, but I think it needs a little bit more salt. Okay, let's try that. You know, now we just eat it, you know. Um, and so all of those things, as you're doing that, we always were just, you know, we, it's a family affair of all of the things. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and your favorite thing to be is in the kitchen when Christy says, what does it need more of? Right? What does it need more of? Listen, she, she never says, do I need to take something out? She never asked that question. She just says, what does it need more of? See, in our relationship, what you're going to hear for the first five down through chapter two a little bit, is you're going to hear Solomon and his, his bride-to-be asking that question. And it's, it's really saying, what does it need? Can you add something to that? Can you build this up? Can you be a part of it? And church, that is not familiar for the world. That's not the example that the world wants us to have. Uh, ladies, I don't know if you heard it, but I, I immediately thought of, of ladies. And I, I then started to think of me as well. When I started thinking of, of appreciating God's handiwork, the world has absolutely perverted appreciating your spouse. Like, it, it, it is completely messed that up. Because what it says is, you're imperfect. I mean, do you hear it in her words, ladies? Just go to verse 5. She says, I am very dark, but very lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not, verse 6, gaze on me because I am dark, because the sun has looked on me. My mother's sons were angry, were very angry with me. They made me keep where the vineyards. Here's, let me tell you this young lady's situation. Her mother and her brothers are mentioned. Her dad is never mentioned. She... She camps in tents made of skins that would have been the people of Kedar. And if you were well-to-do, you had very tender, soft, and, and when I say light skin, what I mean is not beat down by the sun over and over and over again. And she says, I want you to know, I, I know what you're all thinking. I'm nobody. I'm not beautiful. I'm not worthy. I've kind of had those thoughts myself. I remember a time in our marriage, and we don't, we don't share every victory and we don't share every defeat. I remember where there was a time where I just thought, I need to make sure, you know, that I look just as good at 40 as I did when Christy met me um, when we were younger. When we were younger, I was working out six days a week, swimming in the morning, all these kinds of things. And, and I just thought, if, if I don't stay perfect by what the world tells me is gorgeous and good-looking, then what's it going to do to our marriage? And there's a difference between not caring at all for your spouse, yourself, and wanting to go the other way. But the world has created, there's this perfect you you're supposed to look like. Industries have been built upon this day in and day out, and it whispers into our ear. If you want to be a godly spouse, then you must look like the world says you ought to look. And God, when he speaks to Samuel in picking out David, he says, the men look on the outside, but I look 
God's not saying, I don't care what the outside looks. What he's saying is, I made his outside. You don't even know. Who are you to tell me that that's beautiful or that's beautiful? It's so much deeper than that. And so when we appreciate God's handiwork, do you appreciate your spouse and show that joy no matter the season? Whether that's pregnant season, whether that's newlywed season, whether that's senior adult season. Because here's what happens. When you and I allow that sin culture into our marriage, it doesn't create and tend to spark. It creates fear and neglect in your relationship. And we see that in people all around us. Yeah, I teach junior high girls mostly, 6th through 8th grade. And um, I teach them in Sunday school, but then I also teach them at school every day. So I see a lot of junior high girls, right? So my goal is to, because they are bombarded with these filters on these Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, and some of them are funny. They know that sometimes I get really tired and I think they're hilarious to do the filters. I don't even send them to anybody. I just like literally just do them from laughter. Um, but it, it's ridiculous, and they know it's ridiculous. Like they know in their brain I can never look like that filter that has no wrinkles and, you know, a totally different color hair, totally different color eye, whatever. Whatever it is that they're creating this fictitious thing, person, right? And they know, and they can, they can tell us that that's ridiculous, but yet the more they see it, the more they feel like they need to get there to make it beautiful, which is so ridiculous. Like, I, in fact, sometimes when people will put, like, my age people will put pictures with the filters with the no wrinkles i'm like that doesn't even look real right we're supposed to have wrinkles i'm obviously a, a, a proponent of just going with what the lord that's why i have the gray hair and the wrinkles and that's fine but but seriously it has become such a huge thing for women and and men as well but i think for women it's it's detrimental because we are like constantly all the time bombarded with well that's not the right way right you should look like this which is ridiculous any music I mean I'm a musician so even music right they put all of this stuff on their voices and makes them sound beautiful then you hear them in real life and you're like whoa you can't really sing <laughs> but you put all these lovely things on your voice right if you do that in here we're not talking about you <laughs> But no, yeah. but seriously, we've gotten into this whole world of like, that's not real life. Like God did not make you for that. And, and so I spend most of my day, I'm supposed to be teaching choir, right? But that's not, that's the least amount of what I'm trying to do with these junior high girls, but to show them that they are a, a work of art, right? They, they should be proud of the way that they are. And, and anyway, it's just, yeah. it's. It's, it's overwhelming, and, and it's, it's sin-perverting that you and I shouldn't appreciate God's handiwork, that we should appreciate man's handiwork, right? I mean, that's, that's what our life is built around, and that's why marriages fall apart. That's why pornography gets latched in, because it's not God's handiwork, you're man's handiwork. And, and we think about all the things that tear apart at your relationship are the same things that tear apart at your relationship with the Lord. When you become a, an appreciator of God through the avenue of sin, 
you become distant from God. When you try to appreciate relationship through the avenue of sin, you become distant from healthy relationships. That's what Paul, I mean, that's what Solomon and his wife are going into in that. And, and here's, here's the picture of it. Here's how I, I know this is going to be a great example of this. If, if you look into this, there's a difference between appreciation and expectation. Amen? And premarital counseling, this is wonderful. And we laughed at this on the way to Dallas the other day. Right? Expectation says, you're going to do this for me over and over and over again. Appreciation says, I'm going to take it all in right now. Right? I mean, if you've ever been disappointed because you've conceived of how an evening was going to be, and it didn't become that way, your expectation has set you up for a fall. But if you come home, and, you know, the house is crazy, kids are going outside, and, and you get looked at with a, I'm glad that you're here, whether it's husband or wife, I'm glad that you're here because I need someone to tag me in. Have you ever just stopped for a moment and just thought, I love you so much. House is a wreck. Day was destructive at work. Kids are going crazy. Life is going on. You were coming in the door, husband or wife, with an expectation of the evening. If you come with an expectation, slam, you're destroyed. But you come in with appreciation, God, let me see you in this. He'll show it to you. Listen to what Psalm 139 says. Psalm 139, 14 says this. For you are fearfully, I praise you, Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. All right? And, and does your soul know that? So here, here's the end on this one, and this is kind of a couple thing, right? But if you're not, you can say it to your friend as well because you're going to see how Jesus and how God works. If you're willing to do this, do this. If not, we won't judge you from up here. But I just want you to turn to your spouse if you're married. You can say it to your friend. But say it this way. It can be a friend comment, all right? Say this, repeat after me, right? I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. For you are fearfully and wonderfully made. For you are fearfully and wonderfully made. His works are wonderful. His works are wonderful. And my soul knows it very well. And my soul knows it very well. You want to wake up with a, I want you to kiss me with the kisses of your mouth? You wake up and say that to your wife every morning. Are you following me? Any woman in here like, that made me feel ridiculously bad. Like that my husband or, or, or any guy, that, that my spouse would praise God for the way I'm made. I look like a mess. I've gained weight. Children have destroyed my body, mind, heart, and soul. And yet he or she still thinks I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And my presence makes them worship Jesus. I want you to see. That's what Solomon and the, his bride said. Listen to his words, verse 8, 9, and 10. And we'll skip down and read verse 15 as well. 8, 8 9, and 10 say this. If you don't know, oh, beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock 
the pasture of young goats, and besides the shepherd's tents, well, I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots, and your, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. And the others say, we'll make ornaments for you. Guys, let me tell you what this happens. The words of his beloved are, I am dark, don't look at me, my brothers hate me. I, I just, I want you to tell me that I am your love. And her line in, golly, the last verse of verse 7. It says, why should I be like one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? What she's saying is, why should I be considered one of the cult prostitutes who follow shepherds around, selling herself for something cheap? When you appreciate your spouse, and you appreciate them for the glory of God, what you're saying is, you are not that trash. The words that you have heard are not true to you. So you follow me. You walk with me. You walk in my tracks. I would compare you to a mare among stallions. You see, expectation says, if you don't want to be out there with them, then give me what I want. You make me feel good about Appreciation says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And my eyes see Jesus because of you. And ladies, your husband, your spouse needs to hear that from you. Chapter 2, verse 3 says it like this. As an apple tree among trees in the forest, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sit in his shadow, for his fruit was sweet to my taste. And you're like, I don't know where you're going. I love this. Because ladies, what you're not saying is, when there's no one else to choose, I choose you. <laughs> I'm stuck with you. She doesn't say we have to destroy the forest for you to stand out. She says, when I look around at all the other men, as far as the eye can see, there's one that stands out. And he has this fruit that I like to taste. You want to esteem your husband? Pour into him and affirm him with words of truth and life and live it out. See, in our spiritual relationship, that's what Jesus is to us. You throw every other false god you want into a pile, and my Jesus will stand out. Because he has the fruit of life, and it can be found nowhere else. I don't have to burn down the world. How can the, the story of the parable where the wheat and the tares grow together, how can that be possible? Because the fruit of Jesus stands out. And so in your relationship with Christ, is he standing out? That's how Jesus went against the enemy. 
In Matthew chapter 4, the enemy is throwing all this worldly temptation out. And what Jesus says is, my Lord stands out among your trash. And the enemy says, what about this? He says, my Lord stands out among your trash. And he says this, my Lord stands out among your trash. The bridegroom stands out. If you want to mature as a married man or a woman, as an engaged man or woman, as a want-to-be married one day or just glad to be single, you want to be captivated and know how do I fall more in love with Jesus? If you are married, you start practicing on your spouse. Draw near to me and I will draw near This is how God intended your relationship to be because it will point you and press you into a healthy relationship with your God. Go one step further. We'll read as we start wrapping up. I'm looking at the time here. If, if you're writing notes, if he's worth it all, then his plan is worthy of my waiting. If he is worth it all, then his plan is worthy of my waiting. And in, in our gumbo or salsa, let me tell you what, that first taste is good. But gumbo, salsa, and chili, put it in the refrigerator overnight. Is it better when you first get it off the pot or is it better the next day? Next day. It's better the next day. If you're like, I don't leave, eat leftovers, you are missing out. Because that flavor has time to marry and saturate and infuse and share, and it's worth the wait. Listen to chapter 2, verse 7 and verse 15 and 16. We'll start winding things down a little bit. Chapter 2, uh, verse 7 says this, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases verse 15 and 16 chapter 2 again this is now the bridegroom's words catch the foxes for us the little foxes that spoil the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom my beloved is mine she says and i am his he gazes he grazes among the lilies her words are pretty sweet when she says don't stir up and don't awaken it until the right time yeah i think so many times right when we're in that dating we were six hours away the whole time we dated so um it was challenging we had known each other for 12 years so that helped but still um it was like we wanted to just get right get to the marriage like let's just be done with all this and um and i think it just in our relationship with the lord right he is molding and making us and we're going through all kinds of stuff and we just like there's many times i'm like okay what are you trying to tell me tell me now because i'm i don't want to have to go through all this right to get to the end um and hebrews 11 1 says now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we don't what we don't see we can't see i always say heaven to me is like seeing all the pictures of where god made me late somewhere right and he's like hey i made you late because i was saving you from this wreck you would have gone through right all of those things that we can't see and we can't see that picture of what's going on and why am i having to go through this and um 
the good and the bad. And, and he's putting together this beautiful picture of what's happening. But we have to have that faith to say, like, I have no idea, just like we sang just a second ago. I have no idea what's going on. But I know that you've already won, and I know at the end this is, this is good, right? This is going to be real good. But at, the, at this moment, I can't see, right? I can't see what's at the end. I just have to blindly trust and say, like, I believe you, right? I believe what you're doing. And, and I think that's, that's what he's kind of saying here. Yeah, and we talked about it. I love that he speaks. Because oftentimes, I think girls in a relationship can be like, hey, let's not stir up our affection until the right time. Let's, let's talk this through. And it's not always, it's a generalization. And often the guys are like, why? Why? I mean, I, I want this now. We love each other so much now. Let's just go now. Let's go, let's do now. Let's do now. I love that he says, catch the foxes for us. The little foxes, they spoil the vineyards. Our vineyards are in blossom. There's some leaning into this in your relationship, into waiting for God's timing. And I don't want you to miss that. And, and intimacy, right? That, that's a piece of that, but that's not all of it. It's a piece of it. But we like to, to have our desire today because we can't imagine something better tomorrow. And so what the world has trained us to do is to make us shallow, being happy with a mud pie, so to speak, when a true feast awaits for us. And we love this fear of missing out idea, right? Let me tell you, the fear of missing out often robs you of the joy of what you were going to have. How many times in your life have you experienced that? Where it's just that fear. You don't want to lose it. You need to have it now. It, I'm not listening to God's plan. I just want what I want. And I want it now. And if you want me, you're going to give me what I want now or risk losing me. Boy, if that is the thought process of yourself, you need to stop at this moment. If that's the thought process of the person you're running with, you need to stop at this moment. If you are dating someone and that is their thought process, you need to stop and let them run away. Because that's not Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. That's me, me, and only me. And when you get married, when you keep going in, guess what song's going to keep coming off their lips? Me, me, and only me. Because that is the rhythm of the world. Don't appreciate God's handiwork. It's not worth the waiting. Someone needs to look out for you. Someone needs to care for you. Listen, you can walk through the history of broken relationships and divorce and desire immature is at the root of every single one that I have, met, have ever known. Because it says, don't catch the foxes. I'm angry that I don't have what I want or I thought I should have by now. But in our relationship with God, if we can protect and believe God's goodness in our physical and emotional and spiritual desire for, for our beloved, how much more will we be able to value that relationship with God? 
and that's where Solomon kind of ends this we won't go into verse 3 chapter 3 chapter 3 is about the marriage so this is all pre-marriage Solomon and his beloved right <laughs> I love it was it a promise keepers once and a guy that had been married our friend I won't say his name because he's watching he was like weird he's like I'd wear a true love weight shirt I'm like I guess but I mean you're married so are you waiting still because if you are we're have a conversation like this is good the reality is you have to trust that God's will is better than your wants if you don't trust that in your marital relationships I would bet you 27 cents you have a hard time trusting it in your spiritual relationship right this hard time in, in waiting on the Lord about saying God I believe that your timing is best, that you are not slow, but you are patient, waiting for the full number to come in. Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. I'm believing what you've got. And so when you and I treat our love relationships as a model, as an example for our relationship with Jesus Christ, it actually sweetens your spiritual walk. Because marriage in your relationship is as close as you get this side of eternity. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, this morning as we talk about your word, as we talk about marriages, Lord, I just pray over relationships in this room and those that are watching. Lord, because you have made us to delight in this relationship. And God, I know we often say, Lord, how can I have a sweeter marriage and Lord, you designed it to get us tasting what you have for us. So Lord, let us be hungry for those things as we're hungry for you. Lord, for the relationships in this room, Lord, there are men and women who've never thought about them in terms of their relationship with you. So let that change right here and right now. Lord, we give you ourselves because where else is there one that has life? Life for a marriage that is struggling or hurting in a world that's broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, as we talk about marriage, because I love my wife, I won't make her do this every week with me, but I want you to know it takes endurance in your relationship because it's an example of your relationship with Christ and it takes endurance now to see the, the character produced that brings about hope that doesn't disappoint you and, and I think in this world the enemy is so after marriages it's so after relationships because if the enemy can convince you that the best image, the illustration, family, can be broken, wrong, sin-tainted, culture-pressed, mutilated, and destroyed, then at the very least it will distract you from thinking that there can be a God who could ever get it right. But, but there's an order to it. In two weeks our kids have vacation Bible school. They say... 
how do we make right what has been wrong well the first thing is is that you a admit that you're a sinner and you may be sitting here right now and saying I have messed this thing up I have not tended my spark I have had expectation and not appreciation and God I did not pretend that it was worth waiting for the best time to plant an oak tree you are darn right was 30 years ago before you got yourself into this mess but our God is so great and he is so good that right here and right now your life can be changed and your marriage can be restored so just confess it and believe that he is able. Believe that he is worthy. Believe that the spark he started in you is a flame that he will not neglect. Believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that he knows it. And he wants your soul to know believe that his plan is worthy of your waiting and let that build anew and then just confess you're my God you're my hope Jesus you're an apple tree among the forest you're a mare among stallions 